When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Monday, December 6th, and we've got an action-packed episode for you. We're going to dive into an up-and-down week for the Hokies men's basketball team, a win over Maryland in College Park, but then a tough loss to open ACC play to Wake Forest on Saturday. And we'll go into an action-packed week for Brent Pry in his first week as the Virginia Tech head football coach. And the Hokies have their bowl location going up to Yankee Stadium in the Bronx late in December. All of that and much more coming up on episode 214 of the Tech Sideline podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you into episode 214 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. However you are listening, whether that's archived on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or if you are on our YouTube channel, we ask however you're taking it in on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe to the Tech Sideline YouTube channel. And if you are live in the stream, drop a comment or a question for Will and Chris. We'll get to those with Nick at the end of the show. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Two big wins for Hokie. He's wrestling on Saturday. You can help keep that rolling and bring Olympic hopeful athletes to Blacksburg. They depend on your donations, so learn more and donate today at southeastrtc.com. We'll dive into wrestling a little bit at the end of the podcast as well. We have our usual Monday crew on set. Will Stewart across the way, founder and general manager of techsideline.com. To my right, Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline. In the fourth chair, it's Nick Brown today. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes, always doing a great job as our producer. And I'm Jake Lyman, your host. Again, a lot to look at today, basketball, football, wrestling. We've got it all on episode 214 of the Tech Sideline podcast. But as always, how was, we, how was your weekend, guys? Well, it would have been a lot better if Tech had played well in basketball. Y- yes. I say that. I enjoyed watching uh, wrestling in the ACC championship game at the same time. So speaking of podcasts, our last podcast, first time ever, it was uh, episode 213. We've been doing videos since about episode 75. For the first time ever, the video has more views on YouTube then the audio has downloads. Wow. Yeah. They were they were starting to converge on each other and then Virginia Tech hired Brent Pry and it went like that. Yeah, it's uh starting to in basketball it's starting to get like it was for me in during football season. Um in the concourse at Castle on Saturday and you get stopped by people who are like, Hey man, love the podcast and the same thing at PK's after the game. Now, Chris and I went to a game earlier this year where a guy just came out of nowhere and said, hey, guys, love your work. Here's a couple of beers. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's, that's the upside of people knowing who you Yeah, are. that's a plus. I like to think that people have started watching more because it's me and not Evan, but uh, oh. who knows? <laughs> uh, you, think, you think the introduction, introduction oh. of Katie had nothing to do uh, with no, that? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I mean, 
Nick's here too. So it, it's true. Everyone. It's been, gro- it's been growing <laughs> since the fourth chair was introduced. It's been growing. That's true. Maybe I mean maybe that's why people like to get the the views of, of Nick. They can buy me a soda. (laughs) They can't get me a beer yet. They can get me a soda. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got a lot to look at. Chris, you mentioned the Wake Forest game. We'll get to that a little bit. But let's start with the positive. Virginia Tech did bounce back from their tough two days in Brooklyn, beating Maryland on Wednesday in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. It, It was a big win for Virginia Tech going on the road and beating a team that was ranked in the preseason AP poll in Maryland. Uh, didn't look good late in the or in the middle of that second half, but we're able to pull away. Kave Aluma and Justin Mutz had a pretty good game as well. That's one at the beginning of the season. You win it mm-hmm. on the road, and you assume it's going to be a quad one win for right. you. And I don't know what, what, what it is right now. I don't know where they are in the net, but they just fired Mark Turgeon, and now Danny Manning is their coach the rest of the season. <laughs> and that means it's unlikely they're going to be a quad one team at the end of the right, year. I don't understand why they fired their coach in the middle of the season. Well, it, he said he resigned. Maybe oh, it was. Course. But yeah, of course he did. And he's still getting a buyout, though. Yes. So, Which means he got fired. <laughs> um, so I, I, I just – that looked, looked like a quality win. But now it might not end up, it might be like a quad two win now or something like that instead of a quad one. So that's disappointing. So that, that was a ranked team. And no, they were ranked. They were the 21 at the beginning of the preseason. They're 38 in the net now. Um, right. Oh, okay. Two above. So, so yes. Tech. So there's still a, a quad one win right now. Yeah. But by the, by, by the end of the season, once they play all those Big Ten teams with Danny Manning coaching them, will they still be a quad one win? I don't know. Well, and they, we'll play, they play Florida. On Sunday, who's pretty darn good? Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Magic Eight Ball I, I, says no; they I, will not be I, a quad one. I didn't, I didn't think either team played very well. No. Um, I thought if Virginia Tech had played well, as bad as Maryland played, Tech would have blown them away. Yeah, because I, I was not impressed with Maryland, and it's, you know, four games in a row now where Tech hasn't been particularly impressive either, especially on Saturday. Uh, so we're sitting here talking about quad one wins, and Virginia Tech has a lot more issues right now. Than, uh, worrying than, about, than, than worrying yeah. about quad one wins yeah. for, for March. So I was, I was mistaken. Uh, I checked a outdated list. Yeah, Maryland's dropped to one fifty five in the net now. Wow. So they're five and four. Right. Lost to George Mason will do that. My yeah. bad. Um, and they lost again over the weekend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So well, that's Virginia, on me. My bad. Virginia Tech forty <laughs> in the updated net rankings. Uh, the women's basketball team is fifteen. Uh, Even after losing to Tennessee, lost right? to Tennessee yesterday, but a game they probably should have won. Well, you know, the net is all about efficiency rates. Yeah, it's quite a bit of it, and you know, so you can lose a a really really close game against a good team, and as long as you're be still better. efficient on both sides of the ball on the entire season, then then it's your net's going to be fine. Well, and we're going to go on a tangent here, but I feel like we have to bring it up. Mark Turgeon resigns or is fired <laughs> after the Maryland win for Virginia Tech, and Bronco Mendenhall no longer the coach at Virginia after uh, Virginia Tech beat him. So. Both of their last two games, losses to Virginia Tech. Yeah, and uh, that that was a nice little streak. And then Steve Forbes snapped that streak. I don't think he's going to be getting fired. <laughs> he didn't want week. to lose his job. He had to win that game. <laughs> so I don't I don't know. Like, is that funny or should I be miffed that that's what losing to Virginia Tech does? To I, you uh, <laughs> I no, I think uh, you lose to Virginia Tech, you lose your job. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll never really? tr- we'll never truly know. <laughs> Virginia we'll, Tech's not that bad. We'll, we'll we'll never truly know like what happened with Bronco. I mean, there's two different schools of thought. Number one, that everything he said in the press conference was completely honest and upfront, and that he's worn out and wants to take some time off or the other rumor is that carla williams told him he needed to fire his defensive coordinator and he said no and decided to to quit 
Um, so there, there's there's there, there's no way to know exactly uh, exactly what happened there. Um, I'm sorry that he quit, because I, I you know I think Broncos a solid football coach, but I, I think UVA has peaked under him with what they're going to do. Well, unfortunately, uh, like they didn't have much of a, rec- of a recruiting presence in state with Bronco. right, and, and, and unfortunately, they may in the they, future. they may now in the future, yeah. and uh, we'll talk about the, the coaching stuff uh, later in the second half. But uh, you know, Virginia Tech's doing some good things, but there's some other schools doing some things too, and uh, the timing's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. And Bronco Mendenhall leaves Virginia with the best record against Virginia Tech in 20 years. <laughs> One in five. One, One in five. five. Congratulations. <laughs> Mad respect. <laughs> we will talk more about Bronco Mendenhall and some of the coaching stuff that's gone on in the last week in the second half of the show when we get into football. Uh, we talked about the Maryland game. Again, it wasn't an impressive win, but it was good to get back in the win column. And Keve Aluma in both the games last week did look better, looking more like his old self at least. He looked better. He still... He's still not playing as well on the inside as he could be. He finally got his shot to, to drop from the outside against Wake and four of yeah, seven. You know, you, you, you could see this on TV, and but I had really good seats for the game on Saturday. And you could uh, – like I was in row G in section 11, like really right down there by the court. And every time he misses a shot on the, on, on the inside, he just immediately turns around and starts scowling at the ref. And that's not a good pattern. To no, get it's into. not. It's not a good pattern to get into. And uh, it's really what basketball's kind of turned into, though, over the past few years. I mean, he's got to toughen up on the inside. Like I think he scored a bunch of points the other day because Wake didn't guard him on the outside. I don't. That's, again, I don't think he played well on the on the inside. Um, so, so uh, what did he shoot from two point range, Jake? He has four or seven from oh, four or seven from outside. I want to say he was four of nine from inside. Yeah, yeah and, and yep. I, I mean, I'm sitting there right in front of him, and he takes it to the basket and misses a shot, and then the first thing he does is turn around and start scouting yeah. at the ref. Like, right. You've got to, I mean, you got to break those habits if, if you're Mike Young, and uh, right now because you know I, I don't know, I don't know what he got told when he went to the NBA camp over the summer about here's what you need to do, here's what you need to improve on, and I know when you go to that NBA camp that means you think you have a chance to go to the NBA one day. So uh, I, I don't know exactly what he's thinking about right now. But uh, I know the point said he played better the last two games, but I don't know if, 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 you, if you looked at those games, if you were a coach, I don't know that you would say, oh, he, he played better because, uh, you, you know, they're, they're, they're just guarding him one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's kind of messing up the, the – passing ability of the team but when you guard him one-on-one a first team all acc player you need to make them pay consistently on the inside for guarding you one-on-one and then they can't guard you one-on-one and they start to double you start to move the ball and everything starts clicking correct and and it's not it's not working for it for him right now i mean i would continue to guard him one-on-one and still until he starts getting consistent at, at beating guys on the inside and if that happens then everything else opens up but uh you know i think i think the bigger issue for tech right now to me, I, I think is defensively, at least it certainly was on Saturday. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the defense in a little bit, but I want to stick with the offense right now. The, the Hokie shot 38% in the win against Maryland on mm-hmm. Wednesday, 41% in the loss against Wake Forest. I think heading into the season, everyone was saying the offense is great. Defense is the concern. Well, what's what's incredible about thirty eight percent against Maryland was they made nine of their last ten shots. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. They yeah. started out two of eighteen in the second half, and then just 
started getting open shots, got their confidence. and, and The offense ran a lot better over the last five minutes or so of the Maryland. Yeah. Yes. Um, they just got a lot more open looks. I thought the ball movement was better. Um, that, that The last five minutes of the Maryland game, from a ball movement aspect, looked like the Virginia Tech offense we thought we were going exactly. to see this year. Yep. But, but we haven't really seen it uh, against good teams outside of that five minutes. And is it time to start to be concerned about Storm Murphy at point guard? I think people – Thought maybe, okay, he just needs to adjust to this level of competition. Mm-hmm. But we've now seen him against four solid teams in a row, and it still doesn't seem like he's stepped up to that level. The, the athleticism is bothering him. Uh, but at the same time, he's also missing his open three-pointers. Mm-hmm. I think his confidence is shot. And, and, and an open three-pointer is an open three-pointer no matter who you're playing. Yeah. And he's missing those shots right now. And you're talking about a guy who's a career 44 45% three-point shooter or something like that. So you know he's capable. Um he needs he needs to get go out and have a good game and you know get his confidence going back back in the right direction. Well, we were Jake and I were sitting together at the game, and even like when a foul would happen and he would just you know shoot a shot once the whistle's blown out, he'd miss those. Right, yeah. and that's just and I counted at least three times during the Wake Forest game, where he just passed up wide open shots, and that's just. <laughs> All in your head. You got to shoot those no matter what. I, right. I don't care if you're shooting. Bad right. Or if you're a career 44, 45, you just three points, if, you need to see the ball go in the hoop. If you're passing up open three pointers, then you're Wabisa Beatty without the defense. Yes. Right. Yep. Um, yes. And, and that's that's the promise of Storm Murphy is that if you leave him open, he will shoot it and he'll make you pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's you know it's it's up to Mike Young to figure out how to get these guys back to there. Back right. To that, and, that you know, and I, I just spent some time criticizing some things about Aluma, but when it comes down to it, you know, there was a point in that game against Wake Forest where you look up at the scoreboard and Storm Murphy had two points, but he was the leading scorer amongst Virginia Tech's guards, or starting guards. Two minutes into the second half, uh, uh, Aluma and um, Mutz had a lot of points, and the other three yeah. starters had two points. Right. Combined. Total. Nahimaline and, right. and Hunter Couture, I don't believe either of them scored until about eight minutes into the second half. Right. Yeah. And uh, that was a rough outing. And, you know, I, I think if you're – and Aline is one of those guys, it seems like he either scores 20 or does nothing. Yes. Right. There's hardly ever like a 10, solid 10, 12-point game, something like Who was that. The guy, was it Dorenzo Hudson that used to do the same thing? <laughs> yeah. Tra- transferred to Florida. No, that oh, was uh, – yeah, uh, you're about Dorenzo Hudson. No, no, oh, not Dorenzo. Um, Dor- Dorenzo Hudson was one who Jalen Hudson. Hudson. Yes. Jalen Hudson. Hudson. Jalen Hudson. Yes. Okay. He had the big dunk in the ACC tournament that yeah. one time, and yeah. then he transferred. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the only thing I, I remember him for. Done. He was a really talented player. He started for Florida as a junior and yeah. had a great year, but then for whatever reason did not have a good senior year and got benched. Yeah. It was just he always had these these mental hurdles he could not overcome. Um I do think, I think for Virginia Tech, like they were so lost defensively against Wake Forest, and I don't really, I don't like where it looks like Kevin Aluma's head is at right now. Right. And the 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 two starting the two and the three Couture and Aline are playing so inconsistently, and and a lot of it, so much of it is mental. And I do think you've got Johnny John Ogiaco on the bench who. It's not even playing at all until he the end of the game the other day. He didn't play until the right, very right, last minute. Right. And then you've got Darius Maddox, who was playing well. And I, I think you have to start challenging some guys with some playing time and say, yeah. listen, get your heads right. Start playing up to your ability. I mean, here, we're playing Cornell next, and this is the time to do this. This is the time to put 
to, say, to sit Aluma and take him out of the starting lineup for a game, to sit one of those other guys, whichever one you think is playing the most inconsistent. Um, because the, this team is not playing as well as they should be playing. And I think it's all mental. I, they don't seem to be as – I just don't think they're quite as tough as they were last year. Um, maybe they read the, the press clippings a little too much before the season. Um, but it's, it's, it's very – it's disappointing. I mean, there, there's still plenty of opportunity left yeah. on the schedule, but it's got to be fixed now. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, a, there's a lot of, you know, looking through the message boards and social media, people are starting to get down on them. They're better than they've Correct. been playing. Right. You know, it's that simple. And this is where a coach um, earns, his, earns his bread and butter right. is, is can you get your team to play up to its capabilities. Right, um, for sure. I, and I thought, I thought offensively we did for that five-minute stretch against Maryland. And I thought there, there was a stretch there. You know, we, we started out struggling offensively against Wake. I think, I think 11 of, of, of Tech's first 12 field goal attempts against Wake were three-pointers. They were. And yep. they could not get the ball on the inside at all. And then Mike Young made some adjustments, and they started playing this sweet little one-two game with, with, with Aluma and Mutz, and they got a lot of open looks on the inside. So that was a good offensive adjustment. And they just started like scoring points like every time they had the ball. Unfortunately, Wake also kept scoring <laughs> points every time they had the ball. Because yes. Tech, Tech's defense was just not good for the entire 40 minutes. Wake shot sixty three and a half percent from the floor. That was the I heard on the post game radio fifth highest percentage ever by them, and the, and the highest in like forty years. Ugh. Only one, <laughs> only one player who played at all for Wake missed more shots than he made. Everybody else was above fifty percent shooting. That was like that was like the basketball version of the two thousand eighteen Pitt game. I thought that was the I thought that was the worst defensive performance uh, in the three years that. Mike Young's been here, um, and and I I'm sure there there's a game you can go back to in his first year where they probably gave up more points per possession overall. But I think considering the the experience level of the team we have on the court and everything like that, and who we were playing, that I thought it was the worst defensive yeah. performance. Now look, Wake has improved for sure. Oh, they're yeah. well coached. They're definitely a better basketball team than they used to be. Uh, but they have no business coming in a castle and beating Virginia Tech by 20 points. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's on tech. 48 points in the paint for Wake Forest. It, they, it, they just got in there too easy. It felt like Walton, number 13 for them, and former Virginia Tech Hokie, Kadeem C. Yeah. They just had their way in the second half I mean, anytime they got it down there. Yeah, when you let, kind of let Kadeem C. go out there and do anything you want, he wants, <laughs> and he's coming off the bench, for goodness sake, and he was never a good offensive player to begin with. That means you've got some issues. He played well, almost well, the entire Well, to be fair, he transferred half. out 10 years ago. Yeah, so he's, <laughs> he's a very experienced player. It's possible you know. that he's improved quite he's a bit played in at 10 six years. different places now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's strange. Strange career. But uh, – it wasn't just like yes, there were some one-on-one matchups, and you know they get the ball down in the paint and see or or whoever would 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 make a move and score in one-on-one opportunities. But they also had too many cuts to the basket. Oh, yeah. The Tech just didn't pick up, and the Tech's the help defense, the positioning. It just seemed like Tech had no idea what they were doing. I, I thought it took Tech a long time to start doubling, if they even did double at all. And so you get the double, and the third guy doesn't rotate down and help out, and it creates a layup. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when a team shoots almost 65% from the floor, you could say they got lucky, hit a bunch of shots that you don't usually make. 
And there were a few of those end of the shot clock where they just right. hoisted oh, it up it and it went in. Yeah. But so, for the most part, it felt oh, like they, they were deserved great looks. That. They deserved it. They, they they executed their offense really well, and Virginia Tech didn't respond to it. I mean, if if Virginia Tech got as many open looks as Wake got the other day, I would expect the Hokies to shoot well over fifty. Yeah. So so here's the way I look at it. You know, you're talking pr- pretty fairly high level college basketball team. Um, you can sit there and say, oh, they won't shoot like that again. Well, if they're shooting open and they're shooting with confidence, uh, yes, yes, they will. Well, they can well, do that against anybody. Well, nobody else is going to play that bad at defense. That's what I'm saying. Is, that, is, that is Virginia is Tech's Number fault. one, they were yeah. open, and number two, they were feeling it because they were open. Right. And we talk about the offensive side, too. You mentioned Kator and Aline both had rough days. If you look at the wing, that was kind of where we were concerned about depth. Darius Maddox played well mm-hmm. against Wake Forest. But Gasson gets some time at the three. Kator and Aline, the two starters, two of 18 from the floor, one of 11 from three-point range. You're yeah. not going to win when the guys who are supposed to shoot well are uh, shooting like uh, that. Uh, exactly. Uh, like, that was one of those games where, with the way Wake was playing offensively and the way Tech was playing defensively, that you needed to score points. And, and you needed contributions from everybody on the offensive right. end. And, uh, you know, when your leading scoring guard is coming off the bench, for that game, I mean, Maddox. What he had five points, and he was led. He had more points. Or I don't I know. If so. He was three of three from the floor. Okay. I think. Okay. Wow. So yeah, he he had a good day, but again, just didn't get enough minutes out there. It seemed like he hit a nice three from the corner at one point. Uh, had a good pull up mid range jump. Awkward looking release, but it goes in. <laughs> it keeps going in. Keeps I keep going looking in. at it, going, man, and then it just keeps going in. Yeah. So the question is. You know, Mike Young can do his thing, but who's going to lead you out of this? Mm-hmm. What what player is going to start stepping up? Right. And, and it may take more than one guy, particularly from the wing or the outside. Oh. Somebody's got to start hitting shots because then the other guys will start hitting shots. And, and who's going to – who's going to be there's, – oh, there's going to be need to be a player who can grab the other players by the scruff of the neck and say – because this has been an issue with the football program where there's been no alpha leader yeah. on the team. Um, the thing is, like, I don't know that anybody is like, like, it would be Storm if Storm was playing well, but your team leader needs to be playing well, right? Yep. So, uh, they, 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 there's a lot they got to work on right now. Um, I, I think he's got to fire a shot across their bow in terms of you're not playing hard enough, you're not playing tough enough, you're not playing with the level of intensity we need you to play at. I, I think that's part of it. Right now, it feels like maybe Justin Mutz and Darius Maddox are the only two guys who are playing up to their potential. Everybody else, mm-hmm. it feels like they've been underwhelming almost the entire season. Yeah, um, I, I would agree with that. Like, Aluma's numbers are fine, but when you actually watch him play, you don't look at him and say, yeah, that, I can see why that guy was had the, the second most votes. Yeah. Only behind team. Paolo Boncaro, who's exactly. going to be a top three pick this Basically, year. so he was uh, basically considered the best player in the, in the ACC besides... The super freshman who should already be playing in the who's NBA. a generational talent e- exactly yeah um, is this the last chance for the Hokies to make some significant adjustments? You've got Cornell on Wednesday, but uh-huh. then after that it's Dayton, St. Bonaventure, Duke, UNC. Oh, and then and, you're, and then right, you're, you're in right, a full ACC schedule. You're right into the grind, and and you you looked at Wake Forest as a home game against a team that wasn't very good last year, and you're looking that one. You're looking to start one and up. In the ACC, because you got Duke and Carolina on the road next, and you could certainly you're certainly staring down the barrel of an 0 and 3 start yeah. in, in ACC play. But it's not just Duke and Carolina; it's you know Dayton is a team that beat Kansas 
And St. Bonaventure is a team that starts five seniors, and they've been ranked, yeah. you know, at times this year, and uh, were the favorite to to win the A10 this year. And it's not just losing to Duke and Carolina, possibly. It's possibly losing to those other two teams. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, it's also a great opportunity. If if, if Virginia Tech, uh, you know, they'll beat Cornell on Wednesday, I'm sure, but. <laughs> if, if they if they beat if they if they beat Saint uh, right I need to knock if, on if they here. if they beat Saint Bonaventure and they beat Dayton then now you're looking oh wow that's okay that's a couple of potential quadrant one wins one on the road one on a neutral site and, and the good thing you know about Virginia Tech this year is uh they are two and zero in true road games against Navy and against Maryland yeah yeah um, the um the worst game of the year they they played was against was this against Wake Forest to be honest with you I. I I'm a little disappointed in in the New York City trip, particularly the Xavier game because Xavier was down so many players. Yeah, um, that, so I don't know. There's just hurt. there's a lot, whole lot of red flags. So so from from a net standpoint, if Hunter Couture just makes his shot, or Justin Must just makes his tip in, and you get the win against Xavier. Uh the see now the the net, the the net is a I think a combination of a lot of different things. But offensive, that's true. Offensive and defensive efficiency. One shot's not going to change that. Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. It just means you get one more quality. Win. I'm thinking in old RPI. Terms. Well, you're thinking in old RPI terms, and the net is more about efficiency and how you do overall as as a team. And generally, the higher efficiency teams will win more games. But the thing is, if if you're really, you can go out there and dominate, you know, bad teams by, you know, like Tech was doing earlier, and that really helps your efficiency ratings. So you've got to have enough of those teams on uh, on your schedule to help those efficiencies. So, and if, if you look at some of Tech's defensive numbers going into recent games, they were stellar. Their right. three point sh- shooting defensive percentage, right. yeah. those those numbers look good, and they're contributing to that 40th net ranking right now. If what we saw against Wake Forest keeps up on defense, that net is that's not, not going not to stay 40, up. right? Yeah. Exactly, and it's not going to matter for Virginia Tech's strength of schedule. Yeah, that strength of schedule is not going to matter. It would have mattered in the RPI. Yeah. But the net is just going to take into account of your effic- absolute efficiency ratings. Yeah. And if Tech was not very efficient on Saturday, so if you see a few more performances like that, then their net's going to plummet like like Maryland's did. Yeah. Maryland's dropped from like 38th to, what, 150-something in, in a week because they had Oof. two horribly inefficient performances. Yeah. And the same thing can happen to Virginia Tech if they don't, uh, yeah. they don't get it on the right track. And that Memphis loss now starting to look worse, too. They lost again this week. Yeah. Uh, probably not going to be ranked later today. Imani oh. Bates got benched. They're, 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 I mean, they're just not. They're a poorly coached basketball yeah, team. They, they yeah, don't, they, I, think, I think they're very dangerous defensively, very good defensively because of their length. But uh, it's not well coached offensively, in, in my opinion. It's an AAU offense. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wonder what Larry Brown must be thinking sitting there on that bench <laughs> watching that. <laughs> It was, um, but at least the Iowa State loss, you can look at it now. They're still undefeated at this point, uh, and probably going to be ranked in the top fifteen. Which I don't think anyone would have said. There's another team. There's another team that was bad last year and is not this year. Two wins last year. Won two whole games last season. Yes, Yes. two and eighteen. That is hard to believe. Yes, two and eighteen. And now they, I want to say nine and zero, and going to be a top fifteen team. They also only added two transfers to that roster. Basketball can change from one year to the next because basketball is not so much about physical ability like football is all about can you push the guy around who's in front of you because you're bigger and stronger how deep is your roster yeah and everything like that basketball it can it can be just a a little system tweak it doesn't matter whether you've got better athletes than everybody like memphis yeah or i mean 
I mean, well, you, you, nobody's going to sit here and tell you that Iowa State has better players than Memphis. Yeah. Right? But they drilled Memphis. Drilled them. And it's a lot easier to turn over a roster in basketball, too. Yeah, uh, you, you're right. You replace five or six guys in basketball, that's a whole new team. You replace five or six guys in football. And it doesn't, exactly. Dropping the bucket. Yep. Uh, one more thing about the Wake Forest game. I would say the highlight of it was the crowd and Brett Pry's introduction. I thought that was a really cool moment. I mean, he got one of the loudest ovations I've ever seen inside in Castle Coliseum. You know, we'll, we'll talk about Brent more after the break. Yeah. But um, some of his public stuff has uh, – he's been a little reserved. Like some of his answers during his press conference were great. Yeah. And some of them were – I was watching him a little bit of his Packer and Durham appearance. He'll start to answer a question and then he'll pause, you know, but then other instances where I've seen him like in front of the crowd, he was phenomenal. He was great in, in front of that crowd. And then he, when he went into basketball practice that, that day and the way, the way he talked to the basketball players. So I'm still trying to figure him out, you know, uh, but that, that was well done. Don't spend too much time trying to figure it out. We got you. <laughs> so, so when, when, uh, when uh, Brandon Patterson wrote an article for us last night on his early thoughts of, of the Justin Fuente hire, and he opened the the uh, the article with a few quotes, and it was talking about how we need to dominate in-state recruiting, and about this is a job I want to be at. I love the we, we got to bring people in here that are good people. We got to hire the right people and everything like that. You think they're quotes from the Brent Pry press conference, right? Because that's <laughs> what everybody wants to hear. No, they were quotes from Justin Fuente's press conference when he was named Virginia Tech's head coach. So everybody wins the press conference. Everybody wins the press conference. <laughs> yeah. Justin Fuente won the press conference, right? So uh, you know, just we'll just wait and see, wait and see how the staff develops as a whole. Oh, we'll we'll get into that. We'll, we'll dive into all of that. I do oh, want to say, don't forget to mention J.C. Price walking through the that students. Was, oh, that, that was, was cool awesome. too. Yeah, <laughs> got a J.C. chant from the student section. And they know they did three weeks ago. They didn't know who he was. Yeah, they, they put I him know. on the jumbotron. You could go and poll every student in there, and I bet ninety percent of them would never heard of him. <laughs> and it was great because I, I was sitting there, and it was a timeout or something like that. And this huge roar went up from the student section. Right. And Malcolm was sitting next to me. I looked and I said, "What's going on?" And he said, JC's over in the J student JC's section. So I start grabbing my phone like, oh, I got to have this on video. And I got pretty much the best part of it where he was doing some high-fiving and walking out. And they started actually chanting, JC, JC. Well, so if you want to see the video, it's on my personal Twitter feed and it's on our Instagram feed. When you uh, do something like beat UVA and light up a cigar on their home field, that'll yeah. make you pretty popular. <laughs> I felt overnight. bad. It was during the women's basketball promo that Bailey Angle is he is like yeah. on the camera talking on Jimmy trying everybody else in the background. At first I was like at first I was like, man, the students are really excited about that women's basketball game. <laughs> and it was funny. I was talking with Nick and Chris Hirons, who does uh, the women's basketball coverage for Tech Sideline, and I forget who said it. Somebody goes we need JC to fire up this crowd, and literally five seconds later, he walks out of the tunnel. Uh, so that was that was pretty funny. Um, and speaking of the women's basketball game, Brent Pry showed up to that yesterday too. But it was weird. I was there early. I was calling the game, and they showed a video as a preview on the board, and it was Brent Pry saying, "Sorry, I can't be there today. I'm out on the recruiting trail, but beat Tennessee." And then I guess he just showed up anyway. So. Huh. Interesting. Kind of strange. I guess he well, his recruiting trail yesterday I'm, was I'm like Hillsville. The, I like the Jack. Yes, he was. He sure was. In home with uh, Benji Gosnell, and I think he's in Richmond tonight. Yeah. Um, and one of his first stop in Richmond is Highland Springs. Springers. Yep, So, which is exactly what he needs to be doing because that's the best coach team in the state. <laughs> um, and they've got 
you know, oh, Derek Hopkins coaches their defensive line, by the way. We'll talk oh. about this later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I, I was going to say, I really like the jacket he wore at the basketball. The brown game. one? Yeah, yes. on Saturday. Yeah, I wonder clean. where he got that from. I, yeah. do, I do wish you wore maroon or orange or something. Yeah. He had the he, he blue. He did for the girls' the, game. The, he did, yes. He had the denim button down and then the right. jacket. But. He's been looking crispy since he's gotten to campus. I'm liking <laughs> his fits. All right, well, I guess this is a good time to transition. Nick, what you got in the fourth chair today? Oh, hold on. Let me get my graphic out. All right, step time with Scott Glessner. Welcome back to another edition. Um, the first one uh, is a basketball one. The record of Virginia Tech, or a streak now, of games after the UVA win is 10 now. So 10 Meaning straight basketball games after beating UVA. In football. In, in football. football. Okay. Wow, interesting. I'm not sure what happened in 2019 after we lost to UVA, so mm. we'll see. Uh but uh, Virginia Tech's bowl game is on a Wednesday. Virginia Tech's last win on a Wednesday, 86 Peach Bowl, the kick. Huh. And then the last two matchups since 86 uh, were West Virginia. Two years in a row, 2002 and 2003. Absolutely. Uh, That's like Maction right there. Right, when they when the Big East was uh, playing Wednesday night football. And mm-hmm. I guess we all should have known the end of the ACC was coming, or excuse me, the, <laughs> the Big East was coming, coming in 2002 when that Wednesday one. Like, we're playing Wednesday night games now? What in the world is going on? <laughs> Virginia Tech is 5-15 and games played in the state of New York. Last win was 2000 versus Syracuse. At least it's not being played in the carrier realm. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, Virginia Tech is uh, 2-0 and on games on December 29th, the 98 Music City Bowl versus Bama, and the Belk Bowl. Against Arkansas, so that big time win there as well. Uh, third time playing a bowl game versus Big Ten opponent. By the way, we're still talking Scott Glessner facts here. <laughs> These are all he's just pumping them out left and right here. Uh, and the last time Virginia Tech football faced Maryland was the first overtime loss in Lane Stadium. Yes, and that game was 2013. 2013. Painful. Uh, Virginia Tech is also only time Virginia Tech has had a 300 yard passer. 100-yard rusher, and a 100-yard receiver in a bowl game. What game was it? It was a loss. I'll say that. Uh, Insight bowl. Insight bowl. Yep, versus Cal. Aaron Rodgers. There wasn't much defense played in that. That Aaron Rodgers <laughs> game was interesting. Uh, and then Maryland, obviously the opponent now, uh, started the season 4-0. They're outscoring opponents 149-57. to mm-hmm. They finished the season 2-6 and and were outscored 332-178. to well, who they were playing at the beginning was like Howard. And yeah, Howard, like West Virginia, Illinois, and wasn't Kent it State. Howard? You watched uh, Virginia Tech beat in baseball thirty to nothing. It was ten to nothing at the end of the first inning. <laughs> <laughs> Howard, not known for their defense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then this is the craziest stat of them all, excluding now playing in New York, Maryland, and Virginia Tech have played in six different locations. So this will be the seventh different place. Jeez. So ten times in Blacksburg. Seven times in College Park, seven times in Norfolk, Virginia. That's odd. They, Five times in Washington D.C., one in Roanoke, and one in Baltimore. They they used to play something called the Oyster Bowl in Norfolk every year, yeah. and it was a random matchup. I think, the Tech used to play VMI there a yeah, lot. Also yeah. in the thirties, back in the thirties, they're all all the Norfolk games were back in the thirties. Oh wow! But yeah, I thought that was bizarre that we've played. Maryland as many times in Norfolk as they did in College Park. So so let, let's put that in context. If you're traveling to Norfolk in the 1930s, you were doing so on a 
probably a train, actually. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say yeah, a Greyhound. bus. <laughs> I was going to say a bus with no, no interstates. The interstates yeah, didn't no exist interstates. back then. Yep. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, that's I'm almost a century ago. Yep. God. Wow. Me. Okay. Pre-World <laughs> War II. Yes. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Virginia Tech is 3-4 and four at Norfolk, by the way. And 4-3 uh, and three at College Park. 3-2 and two at D.C., 5-5 five and five in Blacksburg. Then in Roanoke and Baltimore combined their 0-2 versus Maryland. And let us not forget the 1993 brawl, was it? I was That was the first uh, Virginia Tech football game I attended that I actually remember. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, was it rainy that day? I don't remember if it was rainy or not. <laughs> but I remember their uh, their quarterback was named uh, Scott Milanovic, Scott Mo- and he was also their punter. Yeah. And they, and, had a real, they had a big-time offense, but not much of a defense. And if you, if you go and, and search on individual passing performances in Lane Stadium, Milanovic that day threw for a lot well, of – close, to, close to 500, I yeah, think. Yeah, and Tech and, won 55-28, but there was a lot yeah. of yards in that game. Uh, and then the brawl. Uh, I always heard that Dwayne Thomas started the brawl. Dwayne Thomas did throw his helmet. Um, if, if you ever meet Dwayne Thomas, ask him about the brawl, and he'll say, yeah, I threw my helmet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they didn't see it, so they didn't eject they didn't him. Eject him. Well, maybe we'll get back-to-back bowl games with brawls uh, if Maryland can get one. Get a Talia Tagovailoa to throw a punch, but uh, like Lynn Bowden did. <laughs> Don't mm. starter. <laughs> yeah, that that was. Mm. It was outside of the jurisdiction of the refs. They couldn't toss him. Hey, now we have now the Lynn Bowden that, rule. That's not the point. The point no. is that the Tech football team basically took it. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and then it is official. Manny Diaz has been fired, and Mario Cristobal is going to be the next Miami I would be coach. looking for ways to sue Miami if I was Manny Diaz. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, they were going behind his back. Is he oh, still yeah. the head coach? I mean, I know that happens, but this was quite public. Yeah. You would think that's a breach of contract in some way. Right. Yeah. I mean, you don't know how their contract was written. Yeah. But. He's getting $8 million in his buyout, Manny Diaz. Cristobal is going to be paid by Miami $9 million for his buyout. Uh-huh. And then they're going to pay him eight million a year. Right. That so is ridiculous. Miami, Miami, and it's all coming from big donors in the university because the athletic department can't fund all of this. Oh, they right. also don't have right. an athletic director at the moment. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> they yeah, will be yeah, getting that's the, the crazy part. Clemson one. Um, so you're seeing a lot of schools that are, you know, Virginia Tech included, and this is why it's unfortunate timing for Tech. But every because everybody else is starting to do the same thing Tech's doing. Yeah. Tech has greatly increased their funding for staffing and salaries and so was Miami at, at the time where Mel Tucker's signing his 95 and, and, uh, million Lincoln Riley's that's what started all you know, Mel it, Tucker yeah. hire it's yeah. it's it's amazing that you can make as much progress as tech had and you're basically still falling behind yeah so I've got some thoughts on all this and and I, I'm sure they'll develop more considering during the second half of this podcast that I'm going to put into a TSL pass article later today about staffing talk a little bit about the two guys tech has hired already but you know, it's it's a it's a major market right now for assistance. Major, like yeah. there, there's a reason you haven't seen Ryan Smith retained yet, and it's not because he had probably it's not because he hasn't been offered. It's because the the market is huge right now. Yeah. Like Flor- as much as Tech could pay Ryan Smith right now, I bet Florida could pay him double, at least. You know, yeah, and Miami paying basically thirty million dollars for a coach, one coach, yeah, now. yeah, and not even like. Yeah, over his course of his career, just as, just like, right now. Yeah, just right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. On, only in Miami, you would think that that's going to happen. Uh, but I guess there we go. Mario Cristobal making the move, and then 
I want to say Dave Aranda is the favorite for Oregon, or did he just sign an extension with Baylor? I thought he just signed an extension. He may have. Baylor. I remember seeing that earlier that that was Oregon's favorite target if uh, if Cristobal did leave. But I guess that's another major job on the market. Make it like <laughs> Oregon eight in this uh, just hiring cycle. Put the Miami uh, whole job ordeal in like a dating metaphor. It's like you're flirting with another girl while you're in a relationship, and she's in another relationship. <laughs> And they both know it, and then, <laughs> then you break up with them. And then that same day, you get back, you get together with the girl you were flirting with. It is a mess. Do uh, you pay her eight million dollars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it works out for him. I mean, Chris Paul did a good job at Oregon, but I mean, they they got blown out by Utah twice this year. So we will see how that goes. We'll take a break here on episode two hundred fourteen of the Tech Sideline Podcast and talk a lot more football after the break. We'll talk about Brent Prize first week. And we promise we'll talk about some of the coaching stuff going on, namely uh, what Virginia is going to do with Bronco Mendenhall now gone. Stay with us. We're taking a break here on episode 214 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll be right back. We welcome you back on episode 214 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. We welcome you in, whether you're listening archived or live on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And if you are in the stream, make sure to drop a question in the chat for Will and Chris. We'll get to those at the end of the show with Nick in the fourth chair. We've already talked men's basketball. We kind of leaked into football talk in the first half, but that's what we're going to spend most of the second half on is football news. We'll start with Brent Prize first week in Blacksburg. He had his press conference on Thursday, made a bunch of uh, appearances throughout the campus, and we talked about his appearance at the men's basketball game. He's made a few hires. Uh, first impressions of his first week as the head man in charge of the football program. Thought he was getting much sleep. Yes. Um, he had to meet a lot of people, press a lot of flesh when he was in Blacksburg. I guess I guess went right back to Happy Valley and did some moving stuff and then came immediately back. Um, he's out on the road recruiting now. Yep. Apparently he was in home with uh, Benji Gosnell last night, which who was Virginia Tech's uh, tight end commit from Hillsville, who who committed to Tech over the weekend. Um, who I think is a good player, but there's some questions about his knee injury and everything. Yeah, he hurt like himself. But uh, I think tonight he's going to be in in Richmond. Um, Pry is going to be in Richmond. Uh, he, uh, I believe it's Rashad Purnell, the defensive lineman from Highland Springs, tweeted that out that uh, he was going to come do it in home with him. And I'm I assume when he's out there, he's going to meet the Highland Springs staff and and everything like that. And Purnell is a guy who I think is the best pure football player in the state. Like to me, he's a top, definite top ten player in the state, maybe top five. Um, I think he gets at least a plus five in his rankings because he plays for Highland Springs and you know he's really well coached. And if you just watch his tape, he's so he's so technically sound with his hands and his lean and his leverage and he's just an exceptional football player, I think. And he's coached everybody knows Highland Springs. Their head coach is Lauren Johnson, but their defensive line coach is Derek Hopkins. And Derek Hopkins was a first team all ACC player at defensive tackle for Virginia Tech, despite the fact that he was five eleven. Yeah. There's only one way that you're that good of a defensive tackle at 5'11", and that's if you have exceptional technique. And those are the guys that make the best coaches. It's the guys that aren't the most physically gifted guys in the world, but they have to uh, they have to use really, really, really good technique to make themselves into great players. And, and you know, Highland Springs has got another highly ranked defensive end for next year's class. So I will take any, you know, as long as he's got ACC-level athleticism, I will take 
Highland Springs defensive lineman over anybody else's defensive lineman because I know they've been properly prepared. So, uh, so that, that that to me, uh, it's a good sign that 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 I believe is going to be Pry's first visit to Richmond is going to be to a Highland Springs guy, and I, I assume the Highland Springs staff while he's out here out there that lets me know that he knows who the best coach team in the state of Virginia is. Man. So a couple other recruiting notes. Uh, Gosnell was previously committed to Ohio State. That's is correct. that right? Yes. Right. And uh, DeAndre Martin has reopened his yeah. uh, recruiting. He's going to South. But he was going to do that whether there was a coaching change or not. It was right. just a matter of time. And then we also saw a couple of transfer portal additions. Tavion Robinson is in the transfer portal. Knox Kadem as well. I believe that happened before our last podcast. Right. But Tavion Robinson – Tech now probably going to be without their top two receivers from this year heading into next year. So that'll be a position that probably Brett uh, is going to look in the transfer I, portal for some additions. I would think so, yes. Um, there's just, you know, Caleb Smith, you've got him as a returning starter. And then behind him, you've got Dwayne Lofton with, what, five or six career catches and Jalen right. Jones with one career catch. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to need some more bodies there. Yeah. The, uh, and, the revolving door at the wide receiver position has been – Insane. Yeah. You're used to seeing guys hit the transfer portal no. that haven't been getting much playing time. But in the last couple of years, you've seen uh, Damon Hazleton, who was getting a lot of targets and a lot of catches. Kuma. Tavion Robinson. Kuma. Yeah. Um, I, I think – now, we have to remember that just because a guy goes in the portal doesn't mean he's necessarily leaving. Because we saw Hendon Hooker and Deshaun McLeese hit the portal after the 2018 season, and then they both came back. Right. Now, Hooker, of course, ended up leaving a couple of yeah. years later. But, uh, you know, I, I I would tell Tavion that, uh, that like, look, we really we want to go out into the portal and find a really good starting quarterback, and, and we're going to have a different offense, and, and and we really want you to stay. And But whether that will work, I, I don't know. I, I know that Tavion wants to make the NFL. And if you just – this isn't about coaching. For Tavion, I think. I think Tavion looks at Tech's other personnel and he's like, "Okay, like there's rumors Mitchell's going to Tennessee. Right. He's gonna he's gonna leave too. There's rumors that that Gallo and Tenuta might leave. Um, so basically, this offense could be gutted. In which case, Tavion Robinson is is the only reliable you know pass catching receiver that consistent one that, that that Tech has coming back. And he'll get double teams on every play. Sure, and he doesn't even know who's going to be throwing him the ball because Braxton Burmeister's hurt all the time, right? And the other quarterback is a was Texas A&M's fourth string H back. Yeah. So I mean, look at this from the outside looking and take off your orange and maroon glasses. And Tavion Robinson wants to make the NFL. That's not a situation that staying in is conducive to making the NFL. And I think you'll probably see some additions at quarterback, wide receiver from the transfer portal. We'll see that in the next few days. Speaking of recruiting, uh, two new additions to the Virginia Tech coaching staff already heading to the 757 this morning. Uh, Derek Jones, the addition from Texas Tech. Also spent a lot of time with Duke and then Sean Quinn. We talked about him, the former head coach at Savannah State. Uh, they tweeted they're already on a, a flight to the seven five seven recruiting today, so they've they've hit the ground running. Yeah, and you know Tech's got you know obviously Law out there as a defensive tackle commit. Kyrie Moiston's a defensive end commit, so I'm guessing they're, they're you know they're going to get, visit those guys. Uh, you know since Clemson has lost their defensive coordinator, apparently. Yes, Brad um, Venables at you, Oklahoma. You, you could you could also go in there and uh, do an in home with a or go meet with Sherrod Koval maybe, and saying and say look you you don't know who your defensive staff's going to be at Clemson and signing days and and what nine days nine days and hmm. 
you know who most of your coaches are going to be at Virginia Tech right now. Um, uh, so, like, but uh, let's talk about those two guys a little bit. They, they were not given titles when they were announced. They were announced yes. as defensive assistants, which means he doesn't know exactly what he's going to do with them yet. All right, so Or he knows and he's just not telling. And uh, there'd, there'd, be, there'd be no reason for him not to tell, I wouldn't think. Jones uh, is a mainly a cornerback's coach, uh, correct? Well, he's coached corners and safety. So, so right. now let me get into this. Like, You don't know what he's going to coach. He's a versatile coach. He can coach safeties or corners. So if Ryan Smith stays, then you know Smith can, can stay the cornerback's coach and then Jones becomes the safeties coach. If Smith leaves... Then he can be. Then Jones could become the corners coach, or you could hire a new corners coach. But there's positional versatility there. So the the fact that he can let's say let's say Ryan Smith does leave, the the fact that Jones can coach either corners or safeties means you don't have to target one or the other to replace Ryan Smith. You can find the best coach. If you, if you if you think you have a better safeties coach available to you than a, than a corners coach, then you can hire the safeties coach, and then Derek Jones can coach the corners. Um, and as far as Quinn goes, he's coached the defensive line, he's coached the linebackers. So he could be the linebackers coach. Or he could be he could assist JC Price on the defensive line if you want to have two different defensive line coaches. Uh if there's a defensive coordinator that, that Pride might want to hire who is a linebackers coach and you end up getting him, then that's what you can do with Quinn. He becomes your other defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. Um so it just I don't think he knows where he's going to put him. I just think he knows both guys can coach multiple positions, which 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 gives him more options when he's filling out the rest of the defensive staff. And with Derek Jones, he was listed as the co-defensive coordinator at Texas Tech, so I think initially maybe there was a thought he was the D.C. hire, but you would think there's no reason to uh, hold that back if well, he was the defensive uh, coordinator. Well, you, you, think, you think about what Pry's talking about. He's saying – He's saying, I'm going to give up play calling duties on defense. It might be after the spring. It, after, it might be after the first year. It, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, he could bring in like a couple of co-coordinators, one like a defensive run game coordinator and a defensive passing game coordinator and evaluate the things at the end of the spring and, or maybe the end of the first season and determine who's your actual real full-time defensive coordinator at that point so i think he's leaving himself options on the table mm-hmm. and i trust him from a defensive staff hiring standpoint i'm way more interested to know who's going to be the strength and conditioning coach who's, <laughs> who's, who's going to be the offensive coordinator right. now uh now a name that's been floated for strength and conditioning is john graves former virginia tech defensive uh tackle john graves who was a beast in the strength and conditioning program here he's been an assistant strength and strength and conditioning coach at wisconsin the last four years hmm. that's a program i would love to pull a strength and conditioning coach from and so let's let's connect the dots with uh, Jones and Quinn. Let's see if I can remember. You know, for people that haven't had a chance to read, Jones uh, was, was it Quinn that was a defensive line coach at Memphis when uh, when Brent Pryor was there. I uh, is that how they met? I don't think Quinn was at Memphis. I think Derek Jones, Jones was at Memphis. Jones was at Memphis. Jones was okay. at Memphis. And Jones spent like 10 years. I want to say they David. were Georgia Southern together. I, I think, think they were right. and, and at Louisiana. Yeah, yes, Quinn, was, Quinn yeah. goes back to Georgia Southern yeah. and Louisiana, and it's Jones that goes back to Memphis. And Jones been, has been coaching under David Cutcliffe for yes. like 10 years. Yeah, and so. he's recruited in the Southeast. And, you know, he had some Duke player, Duke secondary guys go to the NFL. I mean, yeah. Duke's secondary was at their peak when, when he was there, and their defense has dropped off since he left. So he's recruited the state of North Carolina, which is good. He's recruited everywhere from North Carolina to Florida. Yeah. Um, 
and and Quinn being down in Georgia has has done some recruiting down in there. So, I mean, I'm looking at this as as recruiting hires, and I'm looking at Quinn as a coaching hire. Well, that's true. That's uh, true. I, I I mean, Quinn's never been outside of like a couple years at LSU way back in the day. He's never been recruiting at, at major schools. Like if you were going to have a recruiting hire, you'd go hire somebody who's been coaching in, a, in an FBS yeah. program. So let, let me rephrase it. I was evaluating them as, right. as recruiters, right. and I, I'm not I'm not blown away. Uh, so that fits with you well, saying I mean, you I, look at it as a coach. I don't hire. think Virginia Tech, I mean, as much money as they're paying assistance now, I don't think it has to be one or the other. But I do think Quinn is more of a, of a coaching hire than, yeah. than anything else. Well, in Derek Jones' footprint, we talked about how – Pry had been so good at recruiting the Mid-Atlantic with Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. It kind of pairs well with Derek Jones, who's recruited North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. It could, If those two guys are leading the defensive staff, that, that could help get some recruits from all across the East Coast. Yeah, um, I think so. And, uh, you know, Derek Jones, is, has, he's written a book. He's got like 75,000 <laughs> followers on Twitter, which is a ton for an assistant coach. Hmm. He's, he's written a book about inspiration or something basically. I didn't get Pat's the coach yeah. cheetah thing. Yeah, he refers to himself as followers. coach cheetah. Yeah, yeah, well he's uh well, he had his nice cheetah jacket on yeah. the, the other day. There's a picture and, uh, on Twitter of uh, So he's he's written a book. Apparently he's a very he's a very motivational, inspirational guy if you meet all him right. or anything like that. And he he donate donates all the proceeds from his book to something like uh high school kids trying to go to college from his hometown or something like that. So I'm sure we can have him on the podcast one day and we'll pump his book for Oh him yeah. And, yeah, yeah. We'll offer that up. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that hire makes sense. Well, and he uh, he posted this morning a picture of him and Brent Pry on jet skis, uh, and it was like, "Let's ride, coach!" Starting to recruit the seven five seven today. No, it feels like he's going to be a personality that Tech fans are going to love. Okay, is this an old photo? It's an old photo. Is it photoshopped or no? It's, it's just real. an old photo. It is. It is a real photo of them at a lake, both on jet skis. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how long ago it's from, but obviously these guys are pretty close. It makes sense that he would make that. Was, it, was his jet ski like cheetah striped or? I, I didn't. I don't think so. That's what you got to photoshop. <laughs> No, because Brent Pry, he didn't have the beard or anything like that. It looked like maybe five years ago uh, that they're jet skiing at the lake. So uh, I think he, if you have, haven't started to follow uh, Coach Cheetah, Derek Jones on Twitter, I think that's that should be your first thing after you get off this podcast. All right. So he's hired a guy with personality. Yes. Um, interesting. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. Maybe kind of like a Daryl Tapp guy on Twitter, somebody who, you know, I, I think he'll be a, a good guy to follow after games on Twitter for sure. Okay. Uh, and more news this week. Yesterday, Virginia Tech announced, and we, we talked about this uh, with Nick, the pinstripe bowl against Maryland. Uh, it'll be cool for Virginia Tech. You get to play in Yankee Stadium. Uh, and I feel like players, uh, you know, bowl games aren't always the best, especially going north instead of south no, for a no. bowl game. But it has to be fun to play inside Yankee Stadium. I guess. Do you think <laughs> a lot of our players are baseball fans? I kind of doubt it. Uh, I think it'd be cool personally. I know Clark Ruin's excited about Clark it. Clark Ruin's you know. excited about everything. Maybe the, <laughs> maybe the fans are more excited than the players. Yeah. To to get to go to Yankee Stadium. Yeah, maybe. I wish it wasn't. I would actually go like to go to New York City and uh but like not in December. Well, uh, three uh, days before New Year's. And stand outside for a football game for three <laughs> hours. So that, that that doesn't sound great. Um I actually had I I got a Facebook memory today, actually. It was funny. I uh I got a flight to London in May of 2020, and apparently I booked it this day in 2019. I got it for like 330 bucks from like New York to 
to London, and I was going to take a train up to New York City, which I always wanted to do. Yeah, take a train from, from from Danville all the way to New York City, and then fly out of. I was flying out of New York at night to London, so I always thought that'd be amazing to fly out of New York at night. And then, of course, COVID yeah. killed all that. But that's oh well. nice. It'll be a, a cool place to play, and obviously the connection with the Yankees from after the April 16th uh, events, uh, coming and playing Virginia Tech at English Field. So I think that's a cool story, that, and I'm sure the broadcast will play that up uh, for sure on December 29th as well. And playing Maryland, was that the opponent you guys were hoping for there? I, think, I don't know no, what changed. Penn State, Penn State oh, I think, on, was – On Saturday, I, or Saturday, I heard it was going to be Penn State. And I don't yeah. know what changed from a, from a Big Ten standpoint overnight. Um, I think Tech was going to be the original choice in the military bowl, but from what I understand, Witt did not want to want to play. East did Carolina. not want to face um, up against East Carolina. Yeah, that, that's what I heard. Um, and, that re- that relationship still a little frosty. I, I, I would not be surprised if like the whole Penn State thing. Where, where did Penn State end up? They ended up. Um, they're playing on New Year's Day, which I thought was weird for a team that went six and six. They're going to Tampa. Tampa, yes. Okay. You know, you, you you could it could even be something like, you know, both schools saying, "Look, Brent Pry was just at Penn State, and now he's at Virginia Tech." And you know, there's a temptation, I, I guess, like if you hire Brent Pry as your head coach, and then you're playing Penn State in a bowl game, and Pry goes right over to Justin Hamilton and and say okay here's everything they do yeah yeah you know i don't think he would do that because he's like really really good friends with with, 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 with franklin yeah. but like i don't know it creates a lot of I, it creates intrigue but at the same time i don't think either party wants that but it also creates intrigue for a couple of teams that it's not like you're if you're espn it's not like you're manipulating things so that bobby bowden can coach against joe paterno <laughs> which they did at one point in time yeah uh-huh. it's 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 virginia tech and brent pry against penn state it's it's and in a bowl game that's really meaningless for both of these teams. Like, obviously, you want to win it, but in the long run. You know, I wouldn't shock me if that was going to be the game that was going to happen. But if I'm Penn State, I don't want to go play against a team who now has my former Yeah, you just call and say, no, we're not going to do and that. And if I'm Brent Pry, I don't, want to, I don't want to be put in that situation either where my new team with an interim coaching staff two months ago right yeah so i just don't think that's a good situation i wouldn't shock me if both parties got together and and told the pinstripe ball look we don't want this to happen yeah and you've got plenty of other six and six teams you can choose from so there's a lot (laughs) they They had to add another bowl you can even pick uva they had to add another bowl (laughs) they had to add another bowl so all bowl games could be or bowl, bowl eligible teams could play what what bowl do they add? I did not. I forget what so it was they, called. They just made up a bowl. Yes, they added one more this why, year. Why don't they just take away a bunch of them? <laughs> I think you should have to go seven and five to make a bowl game. You should have Nick, to have Nick can you record. look that up? We we can't just, just have Jake dropping that without backing. I it just up. saw that the other day. I'm hoping I'm not wrong here because I swear <laughs> I swear I saw they added another. Just bowl. Google brand new bowl game. It was added in Texas. Yes. Brent McMurphy brought it out. Uh, let's see here. Mm-hmm. Wake it was uh, created because Hawaii became bowl eligible yes. with a six and seven record. What's the name what? of it? And I'm still trying. I don't think they've they haven't they haven't named, named it yet. yet. But it they just added, announced. They added where, where's bowl? it going to be played? In Texas. Texas. Um, 
Why don't they just play it in Hawaii and let Hawaii invite anybody they want? Oh, I'm man, sure no I one would, would turn I would totally that down. do that. <laughs> if Virginia Tech got invited to that, it'd be like, I'm going. Can we trade the pinstripe bowl for whatever? For some more Bahamas bowl? Come on now. <laughs> for the just created it yesterday bowl? Just created yesterday in Maui. Sponsored by Depends. So the San Francisco Bowl normally features the Pac-12 and Big Ten. Told the NCAA this year they wouldn't hold a bowl game in September. Okay. So, so maybe it wasn't. It was a replacement bowl. It's okay. just this is because one bowl game <laughs> dropped. I saw a weird stat that the equivalent of as many teams in a bowl game this year would be the equivalent of 230-some basketball teams making the NCAA right. tournament. That's exactly right. And the reason the NCAA basketball tournament is special is because only 68 teams make it out of 360 out of teams. Three. What's that percentage off the top of your head? You're better math than About that. a fifth. It's about about one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's 20% of 130? 26. 26. No. Uh, Twenty six. So, so only ranked teams get to play in bowl games. That is correct. So all right, wow. So, so all right. So I, I think that's actually too few. I think there should be. <laughs> I think there should be twenty bowl games. Forty teams should make a bowl. Uh, I think when Tech went to the Independence Bowl in nineteen ninety three, there were nineteen bowl yeah, games. Yeah. You know, and, and it was a really big deal to make a bowl. It's uh, it's interesting. So there's one hundred thirty FBS teams, and I read the other day there's there's eighty some that are bowl eligible, mm-hmm. which 86. means the other forty some. Are taking L's lots for those of, uh, lots of L's. Well, of yeah. course, and the, and they play. Everybody FCS plays teams. an FCS team, right? So, so assuming every yes. every one of those teams gets a free win against an FCS team, uh, which Except obviously for Vanderbilt, yeah, right, or yeah, exactly. well, Virginia Tech six and six this year, but right, right okay. exactly. That's how teams get to six that, and six. That, that I, makes I, sense. I think they should ban games against FCS teams and then see how many teams get to six wins. I've been informed. David Cunningham has texted me the whole situation. He's listening, our managing editor at Tech Sideline. The bowl game is literally called the Texas Bowl. So that is the bowl game they've added. Hawaii is playing in Hawaii. So they moved Hawaii back to Hawaii, and LSU is playing Kansas State in the Texas Bowl. That game is on January 4th. Do you remember, like, there was a point in time where you'd be like, man, LSU and Kansas State in a bowl game, that's going to be fun. That's like a top 10 match. Kansas State was in a six bowl game. Or you're sitting here talking about, I always just, like, we're sitting here talking about Tech and Penn State almost played in the pinstripe bowl. But, like, 15 years ago, I would have thought, yeah, if Tech and Penn State are going to play in a bowl game, it'll probably be the orange bowl. New Year's six bowl. Yep. And it seemed like there was a lot of movement in these bowl games over the last couple of days. It seemed like... UVA was going to Annapolis and Tech to the Pinstripe Bowl, or I guess flip it, UVA to the Pinstripe Bowl, Tech to Annapolis, and Boston College to Fenway, and then all of them rotated. So Tech's in the Pinstripe, Boston College is now in Annapolis, and UVA is in Fenway. That doesn't. That's stupid. <laughs> why, like, like why, why move Boston, Boston College out of that's out of Boston dumb. and 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 make UVA go all the way to. Boss. That's just yeah. Bowl games used sense. to be about selling tickets. <laughs> you moved UVA. UVA was two hours or three hours away from Annapolis. Now they're eight hours away in Boston, and Boston's eight hours away, or probably less than that in, and, in and, Annapolis. And, you know, it's just there's there's so much coaching turnover these days, and like Virginia Tech's going to play with an interim coach in their bowl game, and and Penn State's going to be playing with no defensive coordinators, and UVA is going to be playing with an interim head coach in their bowl game, and. And so is LSU and, and and Florida and things like that. So the fact that all that's all those teams are like six and six or whatever, and they're all playing with an interim coaches shows you that this bowl, these bowls are just absolutely meaningless. Absolutely, they mean absolutely. So nothing. I was watching a show. I, I I think it was I think it was the guys on the ACC network 
and they were talking about, you know, so they went, they, it was, it was their bowl show, their ACC bowl show. And they went all over all the bowls that ACC teams are playing in. And then at the end, there's four of them and they were talking and one of them said something like, you know, it's a chance to really prove your, your conference against other conferences. And one of the guys, I think it was actually Eric McLean said something like he actually alluded to the fact that yes, and people will decide where they're going to rank you next year based on whether or not you won your bowl game. And he said it in a fashion where he was like, I'm sorry, we shouldn't do that, but it's what we do, yep. you know? Yep. And I was like, thank you, Eric McLean. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've, uh, which they should not do. And, and he right. was, he was admitting, he's right, like, right. we really shouldn't do that, but we did. There's a lot of players don't. Like, I mean, I know some former tech players, and they've told me stories about how what players do on bowl, on bowl trips and things like that. <laughs> like, the practices and stuff to them are secondary. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was not to, like, Corey Moore and the Sugar Bowl and things like that. But when you're playing, like, like I've heard some stories about some of the stuff that went down in, in Shreveport and before the Independence Bowl, like, before Frank's last game. Right. Right? And Virginia Tech's fortunate to win that football game. Like players, they just aren't, they just aren't dialed in to, to games like that, you know. And so, but people like judge everybody on them. Like they judge the players, they judge the coaches, they judge everything. And, and, and getting away but, from but, the media thing, fans are paying money to go to these things. Correct, so correct. Of course, they're judging. Of course, they're right. If I mean, if you're paying that much money to go, then I would expect you're going to judge. My advice is to not pay that much money to go treat it like a vacation. I, mean, I, I hate saying that treat it, but treat it as a vacation. Don't expect anything from the game. You might win because you don't know the other team. The might, other team might may... take it as kind of a joke too. Well, if I but, go to New York, I'm going to see New York and ride the train and see Yankee stadium. Correct. I, and it's fun that a football game will happen. If I'm going there. to the Bahamas ball, I don't know if I'll actually go to the Bahamas. Ball. You know, it's uh, time to get up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just bowl games. I mean, they used to be really special to get to. And, like, when Tech made the Independence Bowl in 1993, they were one of 38 teams to make a bowl game, which yeah. was a huge, huge deal. And it used uh, – but now, like, you see so many guys opt out of bowl games. Yep. And I just I just don't think that having so many uh, – you know, it waters it down. It, it makes it less special to go to a bowl game. And, by the way, Jordan, Jordan Williams, Williams has opted out. Jordan Williams Correct. and Trey Turner both not playing in a bowl game. Right. So – and I don't know. Maryland will have guys opt out, I'm sure. Yes. Man. So it's just it's going to be a couple of watered-down teams. Um, we don't even know how many of Tech's coaches will still be here yes. for the bowl game. If they well, find like, a job before, I mean, they're not going to yeah, stick around. Well, what if Billy Napier goes to Vance Bias and was like, look, I'm going to pay you five hundred grand to be our offensive line coach, but you got to start tomorrow. If I'm Vance Bias, I'm out. See, See you. you. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just – I. I it used to be every time every every year there was a bowl, I'd immediately start researching the other team. Right, it's so important. What's going to happen? No, you got to wait. Now I'm just like eh. <laughs> wait until everybody's opted out. <laughs> wait right. until all the coaches have left. Yeah, and I'm not saying like I'm going to watch the game. Of course, I want Virginia Tech to win, but just in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. And we do have the uh, the college football playoff is set as well. Those are the games that do matter yes. uh, going forward. Yeah. Alabama will play Cincinnati, and Michigan will play Georgia. <laughs> Seems like we're just setting up for another for SEC championship game. Uh, I am I am floored by what Alabama did to Georgia. Brilliant move by Georgia losing that football game. It's hard to beat a really really good team twice in a row. Right. That's true. That's yeah. true. Planning uh, for the future. Yeah. But yes, Alabama. Uh, I believe seven of it was on a pick six. But putting up forty one points on Georgia on that defense, who was allowing less than a touchdown per game. 
Yeah. Uh, not six, easy. 6.9 points per game. Well, and Georgia went up 10 nothing, and I thought, man, Georgia's just going to take Bama to school. Bama's going to be out of the playoff. That Maybe Bama, Notre Dame gets in. That passing game for Bama the other night just – they crushed him, and Bama's offense has been sketchy at times this year. Yes. So, they, but they, so, so seeing Bryce Young way up there and all, uh, way up there in the Heisman voting, until I watched that SEC championship game, I thought was well, of course he plays quarterback for Alabama, yeah. but he made some really impressive yeah, he plays out and throws against a defense that you're not supposed to be able to. How many points did Georgia give up all year? Somewhere in the 80s, I want right. to say. Right. It was 6.9 times 12 games, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. 81, 81, 82. 82. Yeah. Alabama scored half that, mm. and I mean one game. That's that's nuts. And the thing is, Georgia got up ten nothing at the first quarter. You're like, oh, this is going exactly like how I thought whipping. it was going to go. Yeah. yeah. And, and you mentioned Holman Wiggins at Alabama. That yes. dude, he had Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, two first round picks. Then he replaced those with Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle, first round picks. And now you've got John Mechie and Jamison Williams, who are both going to be first round picks. So, uh, Mechie uh, tore his ACL, I believe, on Saturday. He, he, that's what they were saying. If, yeah. if Virginia Tech was going to hire an offensive coordinator who's never actually been a coordinator before, Wiggins would be at the top of my list. Interesting. He's good at everything he does. Everything. He's a great coach. He's a great recruiter. He's a great evaluator. Like, people give Vance Vice credit for Christian Derisaw, but it was actually Wiggins who evaluated really? Christian Derisaw because that was Wiggins' recruiting territory. And then he... He advised Vice, you need to take a look at this kid, and you need to, to take him. And Vice was kind of lukewarm on him, and it was Wiggins who really had to push and push and push. Hmm. Uh, so, so Wiggins has shown the ability to evaluate. He's shown the ability to coach. He's shown the ability to go head-to-head with big programs and, and win recruiting battles. So he's good at everything he's done so far. So he went outside his lane and still did a good yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think he's an absolute elite coach. Hmm. Maybe um, a name to watch there. And I heard, and I don't know this if this is 100% accurate, but I heard that during the whole vetting process, when you vet coaches and things like that, obviously if you're an athletic director, you uh, you talk to a lot of people about each one of your candidates. And I, and I heard one of the guys, when, when, when Witt was vetting Huff, Charles Huff, one of the guys he called was Wiggins because they were both on the Bama staff together. And, uh, you know, during that whole process, you know, you know, Wiggins liked it at Tech. And I heard he told Witt that he'd like to come back one day. Now, he's not going to leave Alabama to be Virginia Tech's wide receiver coach because he's already making five hundred grand to be the wide receivers coach at Alabama and the assistant head coach of the offense right. at, at yeah. Alabama. Now, he would leave Alabama to be Virginia Tech's offensive coordinator, though. It's true. I mean, so it was a significant pay raise. Right. Yeah. Right. So maybe, maybe that's our first name to watch for the offensive I mean, coordinator. I mean, no, 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 know like, anything. But. I'm just throwing it out there, and I don't. I have not heard a single name other than some stuff that people have made up on the yeah, message. So board. people Still keep brand. asking yeah. us, and it's like we've literally. <laughs> I literally have heard nothing yeah. about which, which is probably how it should be. And the, so the other question I keep getting is: Is Brian Steinstein coming back back as some sort of recruiting role again? Haven't heard anything about that. I know people that know Steiny, and I've said text him and ask him, and he's not answering. So, <laughs> so we basically we don't know anything right now, but we'll see in the next. Uh, you would assume an offensive coordinator hire would come in the next few weeks, unless so, it's Holman Wiggins. That's true. He's <laughs> got a. In which case, he'll be busy. He's for got a, while. a national championship to get ready for. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the YouTube chat, 
because the podcast is sponsored by the Southeast Regional Training Center, yeah. we got to talk about wrestling. Two ranked wins on the road on Saturday, blowing out Northern Iowa, who is number 16th in the country, beat them 39 to three. Only lost one duel or excuse me, one, one matchup. I'm ashamed to admit I didn't know that Northern Iowa was ranked, and I saw the score, and I'm like, oh yeah, tune up for the for the night game, the night match against uh, Missouri. No, number 16 in the country, and then number three in the country, Missouri. Uh, comeback 18-16 win. Tech was down 9-3 to early, and the, the heavier weights were able to come back, win that one. Uh, Nathan Traxler, number 14, uh, I believe, is he the heavyweight? Heavyweight. He is the heavyweight. Uh, he had the biggest moment of the night, got takedown and sudden, sudden victory to win the dual meet at the very end, 18-16. Uh, so big day for Hokies wrestling. They had the tough loss against Ohio State to start the year, but... Could be a top five team coming up this week. It's it's a uh, it's so interesting once once you start learning a little bit about wrestling to watch it and and things that happen. You know there are ten weight classes and things that happen in the middle that seem like they don't matter matter. <laughs> yep. You know like like Dakota Howard is going up against number three in in his weight class and so so I have about five man crushes and one of them is Dakota Howard. I love I love that guy. <laughs> Junkyard dog. You know and and he's. He's about to get majored, which gives the other team an extra point. Yes. And he gets a late takedown, like literally as the clock expires in the third period, that prevents um, uh, Missouri from getting a point. Yeah. And then it's always interesting when you've got 10 weight classes and the first nine weight classes go back and forth. <clears throat> And everything's on the heavyweight guy, you know. He's like, he's like, well, what if I'd gone first? Y'all wouldn't even be talking about me right now if we'd done the heavyweight weight yeah. class first, you know. So he's got to go in, and he's got like everything hanging on him. And it's a trip watching those heavyweight guys wrestle because the vast majority of them, it's just like watching elephants just like put heads against each other and, and just move around for you know seven minutes. But that was really exciting when it went to the sudden victory. And when got. you start off your match. With a pinfall loss, yeah, Latona got pinned. It's 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 like you're like, wow, this isn't going to go well. Oh, so you've got to come back in a big, big way. You're, you're down six nothing immediately. Yeah. And instead of like, if he just lost, it would have been three nothing. Right, yes. right. You can make up three points over the next time match. You're likely, you're probably not going to match. Make you look up at six. all the projections, and none of them say Latona's going to get pinned. Yes, in in the first period. Right. Yeah, tough night for Latona. He was the only one to lose against Northern Iowa, I believe, too. Yeah. Uh, so thirty nine to three win. Uh, Bryce Andonian, Makai Lewis, Hunter Bolin, all ranked in the top 10 in their weight class, all got pins against Northern Iowa. Right. Uh, Northern Iowa, I mean, Tech's very good. I would think they're probably not the 16th best team in the country if you have three guys getting pinned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you're just not a very deep lineup. Yes, yes. And Andonian got a 10-4 win over a top 20 opponent against Missouri. Makai Lewis, big sudden victory win against Missouri as well. Uh, over a top 10 opponent in, in Peyton Mako, and then Hunter Bolin beat a top 10 opponent as well. Yeah. Uh, so you got good so, contributions. So it, from it was top. one of those where once Latona got pinned, they basically pretty much did everything they needed to do from then on. Yes. Yes. I mean, you, you again, Dakota Howard lost, but, but he didn't get but he majored. didn't get majored, which he, he was outclassed and he didn't get majored. And that was a three point difference. That's a three point swing, right? One, one point. from a one point. One point okay. swing. Yeah. So it didn't it didn't end up affecting it, but Well, I mean in, if it went to overtime, what was the final score? Eighteen sixteen. Okay, so yeah. one uh, take what? So you would ju- it would okay. be eighteen seventeen. If, if he had gotten majored it would have been eighteen seventeen. Okay. Now if he'd been tech falled or pinned Yes right. Right. then it then makes it a difference. But it's also in the moment, you don't know that it's going to be a two-point victory one way or the other. It was yeah. a big moment at that moment for him to avoid getting majored. 
Uh, and Tony Roby making his appearance on Tech Talk Live tonight as well with John Laser. So you win two ranked uh, games on the road, you get yourself a, an, an appearance on TTL. He gets a chance to promote the Southeast Regional Training Center. He uh-huh. does. Again, we are sponsored by the Southeast Regional Training Center. SoutheastRTC.com. Yes. Learn more. Donate today. That's how it ends every time on, on Your my donations make possible victories like the Missouri victory. Yes, exactly. exactly right. And they're they're going to Florida, I believe, coming up. I'm not sure who they're playing. The journeyman duels. The journeyman duels. So did did they wrestle at George Mason like yesterday? I'm not sure. I think they might have. Wow. I saw guys talking on the wrestling board. Apparently they 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 wrestled at George Mason and a couple injuries came out of it, so not good. It's a nice time of year to go to Florida. It is. <laughs> It is early December. It's been nice in Blacksburg last week. It, it actually days, has though. been really nice. Uh, but it is supposed to snow on Wednesday. Is it really? Yes. So, uh, okay. We, we well, go how from, much? Uh, I don't think a lot. Okay. Uh, but Inch. 70 I saw a 70% chance of snow on Wednesday. So within five days, we go from 65 and sunny to snowy in Blacksburg. Yeah. Uh, that's expected. I actually have a ticket to I have a pass for the game against Cornell, which is on Wednesday, right? Yeah. I have a pass for those uh, the box seats way up at the top. In Castle, you'll Palisade. you'll be up there with me. Uh, oh, that's yeah? where we call the game for thirty three oh four. Oh, really? Up there while everybody's partying? Behind yes, you? everybody's yeah. drinking and, uh, and having and, fun to our and, left and not watching food, the game, not yeah. watching the game, yeah. and we're over here calling it. Being all behind, serious. Oh, well, we're, I'll, I'll, we're behind a curtain. I'll make sure to come over and distract you. With my beer right <laughs> We've been offered beers while we were uh, <laughs> while we were up there. Uh, so uh, that's coming up on Wednesday. We'll have a full preview of that, and also Dayton coming up on Sunday. We'll talk about that on Wednesday's podcast. Nick, let's check in with the YouTube chat. Any good questions in there today? Yeah, one is, uh, can you discuss the recent state of strength and conditioning? I know you've done that, uh, but what needs to be improved moving forward? That's a big one just for you. Uh, Yeah, um, (laughs) it's hard to know without being in there in person, but uh, it just doesn't appear that there's there's as much of a strength focus. You know, there's strength and conditioning, uh, and I would say right now Virginia Tech has been strength with a small s and conditioning with a big c is, is how i view it um I, I don't think there's i think there are accountability issues you know like i said i've, I've heard stories about not all players taking their protein shakes which means you're not going to add the proper weight and, and everything like that so i just think so that, so let me jump in here and say you've been given guidance uh, to grow muscle how much protein you need to take in on a given day sure, so sure yeah uh, things like that like I try to get my so give the numbers I try I give I try to get my weight in grams of protein every day so I'm about 165 175 or 165 to 170 I'm in that range so I want to get 165 to 170 grams of protein every day and, and I'm kind of but the RDA uh, for a regular person is only like 50 or 60 grams a I, day. I have no idea about that. so so when um, we talk but, you know but, but like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm adding I want to add muscle not weight per se um right I want to kind of say the same weight the, the whole point muscle. I'm making is this why it's it's a big deal for an athlete to toss a protein shake yeah yeah it's you know, the difference between yeah, putting on ridiculous. muscle and not putting on muscle right right yeah. absolutely so when a former Virginia Tech football player makes a comment that makes that on Twitter that says Virginia Tech leads the country in skinny legs that's that's why it's yeah. things like that so there needs to be you have to have strength co- strength coaches Honestly, I'm thinking more about strength coach than I am offensive coordinator. And I, and I think that myself, because I have so much experience in a weight room with, with like, real strength and conditioning coaches now. Like, there's a guy over there. There's a guy at the gym who used to, 
you know, intern in Virginia. Actually, there's two guys at the gym that used to intern in Virginia Tech's strength and conditioning program under Gentry. Obviously, my personal, our personal trainer played football in Tech, and he was under both Gentry and Hilgert. Right. Um, so I've learned a lot about it through through those guys, and I, I don't think there's enough accountability over there. I think the strength coach is just as an important hire as the offensive coordinator because the strength coach and his assistants are going to spend more 365 days a year. Over the long haul, they're going to spend more time with the players than the regular coaches. And that's why they used to have Gentry appear on a Tech Talk Live, and they used to quote things that he said. Right. Frank said Gentry spends more time with the players than we do. Yes, absolutely. And, and like, it's it's why. All right, so, like, let's talk about Iowa State a little bit. When I was researching Matt Campbell, one of the things I found is that they pay their – their strength and conditioning coach five hundred thousand dollars a year, right. which is more than Virginia Tech paid their offensive coordinator. Right. So that that's how important Matt Campbell views strength and conditioning because he knows player development is paramount to Iowa State success. And I'm telling you, player development is more important than anything else. It's more important than any recruiting ranking you can ever look up um, with, with Virginia Tech. I don't know if people get get hung up on recruiting rankings because that's the only thing they can see. They can't go in the weight room and see guys working and, and whether or not they're taking protein shakes and, and things like that. But, you know, I'm telling you, it's easy to put on weight if you want to. Like Good I d- weight, people. Good We're weight. not talking yes. fat. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yes, not talking eating at McDonald's. Every I, single it was day. about this time last year when I when I wanted to, like, I wanted to write a little bit about strength and conditioning, but, but I really I needed more information so I could really be knowledgeable when I did it. So I got on a mass gainer. Instead of a regular protein shake, I did two mass gainers a day. And I put on like seven pounds in three weeks. And that's on a five nine frame, and it was good weight. So you're sitting here telling me that, that, that guys like Trey Turner, who never gained weight his entire career, and, and same thing for Jermaine Waller, Dorian Strong's the same size he was when he got here. I mean, these guys can get bigger. You have to make them get bigger. You have to make them do things like this. It's it's a requirement for being a part of the program. So, and and I, and I think when, when, when Justin Fuente, when those guys hit the portal after the 2018 season, and they started and then they tried to take Virginia Tech football down with them on their way out. You saw it all on Twitter. And I think Justin Fuente softened up on his players then, and it killed the program from a player development standpoint. Yeah. And in reality, he should have just let walk whoever wanted to walk. And it would have let them say what they were going to say because things on Twitter only live for about a couple of weeks. Right, right. Just just let everybody walk, and and those who remained in the program were the guys who were going to be interested in doing it the right way. Yeah. And you know, I think that would have been better long term for Virginia Tech football. So listen, I don't care how many players Tech loses in the transfer portal this year. Because they're 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 going to be. They're going to quickly figure out they're, they're, if Brent Pry is doing his job properly and the new strength coaches are doing their job properly and everything falls into place from that standpoint, these guys are going to get held to a higher level, higher standard than tech players have been. They're, they're, they're going to be forced to do things that they don't want to do. And if they don't want to do it, then they need to get out. They need to leave because I don't need any. we don't need any toxicity in this program after the spring, all these guys, anybody who doesn't want to be a part needs to be weeded out by the end of the spring. Because well, look look at the team that just won the ACC. Right. Pitt. They right. had something like 20 seniors. Right, right. And, 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 and the thing is, like, and Pitt's culture is good. And we, uh, in hindsight, some of those guys that left after the 2018 season for Virginia Tech, they should have been weeded out after the spring of 2016. Yeah. So they wouldn't, should, wouldn't have been able long-term to do damage to the program. And that would have mean, meant Virginia Tech had – probably won a game or two less in you know, Fuente's early tenure, term. but it would have helped for the long term. Like, yeah. 
I don't care if Virginia Tech goes four and eight this year. I don't want them to. But if it if it if 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 if, if going four and eight this year is because you lost a certain number of players this offseason that doesn't didn't want to be a part, I don't need those guys staying in the locker room and being a negative influence long term because yeah. that's going to hurt you long term. Yeah. So if you don't want to be a part of it, they've got to get out by the end of the spring and. If there needs to be a cleansing and a total rebuild, then that's fine because you need to be able to build the foundation up strong. You don't need any cracks in the foundation while you're trying to build the foundation. So uh, to me, that's the most important thing that happens yeah. this offseason. Uh, I think Virginia Tech's going to recruit fine. I think Virginia Tech throughout history from a recruiting ranking standpoint outside of like one class, the 2020 class, they pretty much brought in their classes of generally ranked between 20 and 30 every year throughout the history, going back throughout all Frank yeah. Beamer's tenure. That's just the level where Virginia Tech lives yep. in recruiting. So continue to that, live at that level and then do the things behind the scenes to, to, you know, if a guy doesn't want to be a part of it, then he should go. And I'm not criticizing any of those guys because it's not for everybody. Um, you got to fill the program with guys that want to do it the right way and uh, start getting good at player development again. Because a lot of those guys that went 6-6 six and six this year for Virginia Tech, they were part of top 25 classes. Virginia Tech signed those guys, and fans said, oh, Tech's recruiting well. So what's more important? Yeah. So uh, one thing we did not cover in talking about Brent Pry is the information about his uh, compensation has come out. Yes. That, that was, so he's going to get paid $4 million a year, which is roughly what Fuente was getting paid. His And it's interesting, when they gave out the sheet at the press conference, it said – Five and a half million dollars a year for uh, assistant coaches. The current level on their Fuente was three point five or three point yeah. six million a year, and then there was two point two five million for support staff. Now I don't think the number for Fuente for air quotes support staff was was ever released. So that's seven point seven five million dollars a year for assistant coaches and support staff. And one of the things we were told was, sure, that's how the numbers were broken out in the sheet of paper you guys were handed, but it's up to Brent Pry to really decide how he wants to portion that stuff out. Okay. And the really encouraging thing was that's actually the floor. So if he has potential hires he can make and he can make a convincing case that there will be more money available if he wants it. Right. So I bring that up because if he wants to pay a strength and conditioning coach half a million dollars and pay a defensive backs coach $350,000, that's his decision. Right. Um, yeah, that's right. And now this transitions into what I want. The other thing I wanted to talk about is obviously there was a lot of competition for head coaches this year because there's a lot of jobs open. That means the comp the competition for assistant coaches is going to be just as strong. Yeah. So the only like it makes sense to retain Ryan Smith, right? And people are wondering why there's been no announcement and everything like that. And my guess is you know Ryan Smith is an excellent recruiter. Uh, he's shown the ability to be a good coach in his short time. He's probably got other options, and he's evaluating them. Like, what if Virginia Tech says, we'll give you a raise to 350000 And what if Florida's saying, I mean, as much money as Virginia Tech's throwing into it, you know Florida's throwing – I mean, N Billy Napier's basically said, if I ever take a job, I want to have Alabama-like resources. He's not going to take the Florida job unless Florida promised to give – Promised to give him as much and, resources. And the headlines as today has. say that he's going to have an, a staff unprecedented in its size. Exactly. So, what if he just offered Ryan Smith five hundred thousand dollars to be his cornerback? So I'm he, not saying he has. Yeah. But but it's it's possible. Yeah. Um. 
so it's it's good. It's good that Virginia Tech is opening up the purse strings and bringing in donations for staff. But they're doing it in a year where there's more competition than there's ever been to hire assistant coaches. Yeah. I mean, you look, you look at all of the major programs that's jobs have opened: Oklahoma, LSU, Notre Dame, USC, now Oregon. Clemson's going to be looking for a defensive coordinator. You know, which might mean a whole different staff. Yes. Right. So now Clemson's hiring secondary coaches and D line coaches. Yeah. And, so, and they're the only school in the ACC that now has a bigger budget than Virginia Tech in terms of assistance. But it's, it's not depending upon what Miami decides. Depending to do. on what Miami decides to do, but but yeah, so you're going to be competing again. And there's talk of Tony Elliott taking the Duke job. Duke job. I mean, that Clemson staff could be totally cleaned out. Yeah. But by, by the end of this, yeah. and, and then all of a sudden they're on the market for assistance. Yep. Um, so the, it's just a whole lot of stuff in flux. There's a whole lot of programs with a lot of money that that can that can be brought to bear on the market for coaches right now. Yeah. Well, that was a good question from Nick uh, in the YouTube chat. Uh, you still awake over there, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that that whole spill originated from <laughs> we, a question. We got a great answer, good conversation from one question, uh, and I don't believe there's no more. Uh, the last one is a hypothetical. Um, what do you think of having bowl games as the first matchup of the season in the fall? Actually, that's a unique idea. Because um, if you want to play a neutral site game to to start the season, um, I think that would be pretty cool. I mean, remember, like, remember, I remember back in the day, I always wanted, I was always jealous because it was always like Penn State versus somebody or Syracuse versus somebody in the kickoff classic or right. the Pigskin classic or something like that. And that was an extra game for those teams. Yes. Right? It, like they would play 12 games instead of the 11. Like back, that was back when teams only yeah. played 11 regular season games. I was always jealous because it was always, always only like two games that day. And they were played a week before all the other seasons started. So in effect, that was like an extra bowl game for those teams. They, they played a bowl game at the beginning of the year and they played a bowl game at the end of the year. Uh, like teams like Syracuse, it seemed like Penn State played in those games a lot. And Syracuse, I remember yeah, Notre Dame. I, I remember the first time I watched Donovan McNabb play was in 1995, and Syracuse Syracuse played UNC in like the kickoff classic or the pigskin classic that year. Or the I, BCA classic yes, was a thing back then. That's, yeah, right, that's the right. one that got rained out. For yeah, and we never got a refund. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but I remember that's when I first saw Donovan McNabb, and I was like, wow, that dude's going to be trouble. And, so, so the to, the. The idea of bowl games, what what your what people need to remember is that they didn't used to be for television. They were they were played at the end of the year in warmer climates, and it was to um, get tourism dollars into these warmer climates. Um, you know, at a time of year like most people go to the beach, they go to Florida during the summer. So Florida's down there going, hey, let's have football bowl games and get people down here in December sure. or January. Yeah. So that was the beginning, and it was about selling tickets. Mm-hmm. And then it got to be this big thing where it got to be about TV. So now what's affecting, and we just talked about this earlier in the podcast, what's affecting bowl games is players opting out, all the coaching turnover. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting question. I think it's great. I think it's great. All right, listen, I'll, I'd be in favor of it in general. All right, Virginia Tech versus Maryland in the pinstripe bowl on December 29th does not really excite me. Virginia Tech versus Maryland playing in New York City on September 1st. When all the players me. are still in and all the coaches are still in. And the weather's good. And and there there's more excitement about the season. Like right now you can say this is a 6-6 six and six team. Everybody's coaching staff. staff is filled with coaches. Yeah. Everybody's going to win every game. And right. Yeah, you're all excited. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're winning the ACC this year. Yeah, right. So I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Just, just, just with 
15 seconds to think about it. Very interesting stuff. And there are still some of those neutral site games, the Chick-fil-A kickoff mm-hmm. they have every year. With an, and Tech's going to play in that in 2025 against South Carolina. South Carolina, right. So there are some of those, but it would be a cool concept. I, I think I think if you, if you ran some like uh, – Gosh, you know, you know how like they determine seeding for like Champions League football and Euro, like European soccer things like that. It's like a five-year coefficiency rating for how successful you've been over the last five years, and that determines seeding for for things like that. What if you use like a five-year rolling coefficient number for college football teams, and that determines who you play in your preseason bowl game and what city you go to and, and things like that. Uh, that I think, I think that'd be pretty cool. That would be cool. And David Cunningham just chimed in as he's listening that yes it would be a great idea for tech to play in yankee stadium in september but, but the yankees tough, are kind of playing baseball. i don't right. think the yankee <laughs> right. stadium grounds crew would love to turn that into you, a football field they, and then a baseball diamond he's again. and he's right and i thought about that but you get the overall point. <laughs> yes the overall point right. it doesn't have to be a baseball stadium yeah. uh but yes i think that would be a cool idea and i think they're starting to add more of those neutral site games uh, as we move forward, maybe more like the preseason tournaments in basketball. If you had an NCAA football czar, he could take care of this and yeah. knock it out. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, they're supposed to have the big meeting, right? About changing it. I mean, isn't, that, that, well, isn't that coming up? Yeah, I think blah, blah, they have blah, to blah. decide by January something. The I future of college football and everything. They have to decide kind of... if they're expanding the foot, college football playoff, and it looks like 12 is the number that they're going to settle on. Fine. Which... Look, I, I, I think it'd be, okay, fine. Just everything ends after the conference championship games. Uh, I think if you if you win your conference, maybe you go to a, a bowl you... at the preseason. But other than that, all bowls are before the season. Yeah. Everybody gets to go home for Christmas. Yeah, I'm digging it. I yeah. think every I think everybody wins in that scenario. Yeah. All right, guys, we've gone long. We went long. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you to everybody in the YouTube chat who chimed in. Thank you, Nick, for getting us those. Chris, what is coming up on Tech Sideline over the next couple of days? Well, we did kind of go long. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm doing research on um, a little bit of research on the two guys we just hired. But I'm going to write something about what we talked about on this podcast: how the job market for assistance is at an all-time high. The coaching um, art. Yeah. Not the carousel. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> it is it's out of control, to be honest with you. Yep. Um, so I'm going to write something about that. And later this week it should be uh, – I'll have my I – did a, I did a inside the numbers for offense last week. I'll put something together for, for defense this week too. Uh, anything else is up to our managing, and managing editor. David and David Cunningham has already let me know what's coming up. So we've got Jack Brizendine is – in the in set right now, he will have TTL notes tomorrow morning. Chris Hirons will have a women's basketball recap from Tuesday at Liberty, uh, which is wh- where Evan Hughes is en route to. Uh, and then he, David says he will have a preview of Cornell and Dayton coming up tomorrow as well. So lots to look forward to. Basketball. Hopefully the Hokies can bounce back, get a win against Cornell. We said they should, knock on wood, yeah. uh, get that one. And we'll preview that on Wednesday. Uh, that will wrap it up on here uh, on episode 214 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. I want to thank everybody for chiming in in the YouTube chat and for watching and listening archived. Thank everybody on set. Will Stewart across the way, founder and general manager of TechSideline.com, at WillStewartTSL on Twitter. Chris Coleman, at Chris Coleman TSL on Twitter, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline. Nick Brown, great job in the fourth chair once again today, at NickBrown33 on Twitter. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes does a great job as always, and I'm your host, Jake Lyman, signing off. Enjoy the start to your week, Hokies fans. We'll see you next time.